I'm 71, but when he spoke it to me, it just, it just went like right to my heart and I started weeping because all of a sudden my life, which I do time to time, not because I'm getting old, I'm ready to leave the Lord, the world, but sometimes it's good to reflect back on all the faithful moments when God was faithful in your life. And it was like, you know, that's what happened. And I might read a lot of scripture today. And because I believe there's going to be something in some word that I read, that's going to, the Lord's going to speak to you. But I just went back and remembered all the moments. And, you know, God did start working in my life when I came to him at the age of 28. He knew me. He always knew me. And he's always known you. And he knows where you are. He knows where you've been. And, um, but I wanted to take a minute to what brought to my mind was that I was thankful when I did come to the Lord, which I'm going to tell a little testimony about that, how that happened. But I'm so thankful for women that God put around me. Because let me tell you, I had a lot of zeal, but no knowledge. <laughs> and I, I could get really out there, except for, and the women, they were so loving they were so patient. They were not condemning. No one put a whip over me. As a matter of fact, they kind of just would let me go and then just maybe a gentle word. And that's just how the Lord is with us. He's not a harsh taskmaster. And he, you know, he never has been. And whenever I've felt that, that's not God. And, um, you know, but we all have an impact. And we all have, whether you have, Natural children, I believe as women, we are spiritual moms to somebody. We all have, besides a physical womb, we have a spiritual And God has planted something in us that we have to give. Um, you know, this year with all the craziness and my grandkids, um, there's, you know, they're doing school online, you know, virtual. And that's hard for some of the parents that, you know, not used to homeschooling. And so my daughter, we have a 10-year-old, and he's special ed, so that takes a lot of her day. So I felt in my heart to take the 4-year-old, my 4-year-old granddaughter, and I was going to homeschool her in preschool because it would be awful for her to miss a year of, you know. And so um, we're having a great time. But what cracks me up, what I want to share is you don't realize when you're making an impact. So I'll get usually a text from her mom. She doesn't come over every day. We're doing two days a week, but she's been demanding more. She wants to go to school, and she comes in, and she calls me teacher. I'm not grandma when she comes to school. I am teacher, and she is my very best student. And... <laughs> And she just is so beaming when she comes in, and we have a classroom downstairs, you know. So my daughter will text me at night, like last week it was, do you sing with her? And I'm like, well, yeah, because she's in the bathroom singing. If you're happy and you know, clap your hands. <laughs> so this week the text was, she said, okay. She said, Bethany is, I mean, Caitlin, I got too many, so I'm being my grandma because I mix up the names, and I'm like, whatever. You know who you are. <laughs> I say, you know who I'm talking about. My, <laughs> my grandma used to say that. So um, she said this week on, that's her, I guess, her time in the bathroom, and she's doing the Pledge of Allegiance. 
Well, she's four years old and her speech is a little, so we've been doing the Pledge of Allegiance and she, <laughs> she ever, she gets to indivisible, it's bigger word than she's used to saying and she starts giggling. <laughs> so this week I noticed, and then I giggle, but this week I noticed she did like giggle so much. She was, and we always emphasize we are under God. And she, you know, and that's, we are, and we have our little flag in it. We are under God. And she goes, we are under God. And we're also learning the 23rd Psalm, so I'm hoping to get a text soon that she's reciting Psalm 23 in the bathroom, but that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so we're, my husband said to me, he said, you don't know, you know, the impact you're having. You know, that's God showing me that there's an impact there. If, I'm, if she's remembering those things, she's remembering other things that I put into her. And it's encouraging for my adult children, Lord, that, you know, Lord, there were things we planted in them that I don't always see right now, but they're planted, and um, they'll they'll come to fruition in in time. So I'm really am thankful. And Pastor Karen read the scripture in Titus two about um, this woman and a woman who honors God. And I looked at that and I thought, well, you know, in my early days as a Christian, I could think that seemed kind of a legalistic list, and I was going to really fall short. There's one thing I knew when I came to the before I came to the Lord was I knew that I fell short of the glory of God, but I never had anybody to share the gospel with me. I never met a born again Christian. I was 28 years old. Um, so let me back up a little. So I got married at 19, had a child at 20, and motherhood really kind of shone the light that. I didn't have everything I needed for this child. Um, but I believe that's because if I back up even more, I had, I never met her, but I had a great-grandmother who I believe gave me to the Lord before she passed. Because before she passed, she asked about Joan's little girl. And, she's, and they kept telling her, Joan didn't have her baby yet. Yes, she has a girl. So I felt like she was leaving the world, and her mind was on me. And she gave me to the Lord. So when you dedicate your children, grandchildren, whoever in your family to the Lord, it makes a difference. And I believe that that may be smart for God. Because let me tell you, growing up, I felt like a square peg in a round hole. <laughs> I didn't fit. And I did I didn't fit with my family, but I didn't know where I fit. So, it, um, you know, in growing up, I was a product of if you're good, you do good, you're accepted. If you don't do good, you're not accepted. So this was kind of baggage, you know, of performance that I brought into our marriage. And... When I met my husband, he was different. Like I knew he was, he was different than my family, and that was good for me. And then when I met his family, I thought, yes, this is, you know, there's pictures of Jesus on the wall. I'm feeling real convicted. And um, I, don't, I didn't understand it, but I thought that this, I need this, whatever it is. So, you know, we were married. The problem is that sometimes when you get you get married, and I didn't have all the tools that I needed, and you bring baggage in. And so coming from, you know, 
a little dysfunction and he didn't have all that. And bless his heart, he loved me. He was patient with me. When I think back stages he's loved me through, I, you know, I bless him. And um, so, you know, there was a, just a lot going on. And, um, you know, and after a time, you know, I kind of, I, I sought the Lord or I sought for truth, but I couldn't, I didn't quite make it find it. It took a while. And I guess I, when I was married um, nine years, um, the charismatic renewal was coming through the Catholic Church. I was raised Catholic. I hope lose you in wandering. Anyway, and um, okay, <laughs> I love my, if I was in a circle with my prayer people, we would just go at it, but I'll, I'll get this. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like I said, I actually, my husband had been saved when he was younger, and I didn't know that, but he wasn't walking with the Lord now. And um, so he actually gave me a book, which he, so he credits leading me to the Lord. Um, he gave me a book on the late great planet Earth, and I had never read some of the things that were in there before, but it sounded awesome, like an adventure. But then this war started inside of me. You know, am I on the good side? On the bad side? You know, am I, am I, I think I'm a Christian, but then when I would, I'm like, I'm not sure. So I began seeking and truth, and I found it. And my first, where I feel comfortable like a duck in a pond is when you're in a prayer environment. <laughs> and the first thing the Lord did was lead me to a charismatic prayer meeting that was held in the Catholic Church. And, um, you know, and it was not all Catholics. It was different denominations. And, you know, we were and it, and just like the worship and the praise felt like home. It was just like I was home. And one of the things I think that the Lord gave me early, not like I was the best prayer, you know, not like I spent hours or whatever, but as time went on, I learned it's not about that. It's about, I knew when I came to the Lord, when I was born again, because I prayed that sinner's prayer lots of times, and I knew nothing happened. <laughs> and when I was born again, I knew I had access. I knew I broke through heaven, and I knew God heard me. I knew he loved me, and, you know, we, and it was just awesome. It was just the most awesome thing. Then I learned, you know, so excited to change the world. Not everybody was willing. They didn't all want to go. I felt like I discovered a big surprise party, and I couldn't wait to tell everybody because I figured they mustn't know this or they'd just be so excited. And then I realized not everybody wanted to come to the party. <laughs> and um, so my husband didn't come to the party right away, and actually um, we went through some really down times in our marriage. And, you know, I didn't have all the tools that I needed in my toolbox to work out some of the things that we went through. So it was kind of rough, you know. And um, my husband came from a simple country home. I was a not-so-simple, not-a-country home. Um, I was East West Virginia. I'm New Jersey. I have to keep reminding them that. I wasn't born in West Virginia. <laughs> nice place, but I wasn't born there. Um, 
you know, so, um, yeah, so we had a lot of, um, he had, as you know, sometimes you don't realize, but he's a Vietnam vet. And, you know, most of our marriage, he didn't talk about it, you know, and he talks about it more now, but I think, you know, it, after it dawned on me, you know, that all those young, they were young boys. He was a country boy. He was like, you know, 18 years old, and then they ship him off to this country, Vietnam, and it was awful. You know, it was really awful. And so he had that trauma. I had my own baggage from my dysfunctional family. And, um, you know, even after coming to the Lord, I thought that would make everything you know, be equal. But it wasn't. It, it, I saw it made the divide sometimes worse because I didn't always handle it as a Titus II woman. I didn't always honor my husband. I didn't always show him reverence. And he began pulling away, and I just stayed in my little world. And then we kind of hit a crisis point, and it looked like we were going to divorce. You know, we separated. And my first reaction was, and not like you can't do it, but I was like a stay-at-home mom. You know, I had four children by now, and I thought, yikes, I better get some tools really fast. <laughs> you know, and I began, you know, sometimes it takes a crisis for us to go a little deeper and get a little higher. And, um, you know, so that's what I began doing. And God took me to, um, I had tried so many things. God took me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I think you know it, but, you know, something the Lord's impressed upon me lately is that sometimes we read the word and we just like, oh, yeah, that's good slow down said slow down like you really sometimes take in his word like all things are possible with me all all are possible with god you know when you read a scripture just like slow down so god be able to this was my 30-day crash course i call it and um You know, it starts with verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So it said in there, love never fails. So I thought, okay, I'm going to hold you to that. And then he held me to walk in that out. And so I call it my 30-day crash course because for 30 days, every time I slipped, Holy Spirit was right there (laughs) telling me to repent, correcting me, setting me back on the path. And, and I call it a 30-day miracle, but actually I'd prayed for him for 24 years. But in 30 days, even though we separated for a time, we started to date. And we got to know each other and realized that we missed each other and we loved each other. 
and we're a part of each other. You know, and sometimes women I know go through circumstances and they can't help, you know, the way because you're dealing with two people. But the Lord let me know that my husband had a good heart and I should not judge him by outward things that I was seeing or going through. And that's a lesson there because with everybody, no matter how we deal with, we need to look at the heart because that's the way God looks at us. So I began to see it, look at him through the heart and look at him through eyes of love. It wasn't about me now. It was about him. And it was about honoring God and loving my husband and loving my children. And so we started to date, and God restored us. And I'd like to say he got immediately restored to the Lord, but he didn't. Um, so I still had to keep walking it out, and it didn't matter. God told me in his word that I needed to honor him and respect him and that he would love me. So there was a time, you know, I remember thinking, I don't, he don't love me. And then I got a word of knowledge from somebody in church who really didn't know us, and she let me know, your husband is going to love you. And so then I thought, well, I'm right. He don't love me now. <laughs> but he loves me now. He loves me dearly. We've been married over 51 years, praise God. And I wanted that for my children because my first reaction was, I don't want my children to come from a broken home. I came from brokenness. That's not what I want to give to my children. So, God, when our motives are pure, you know, God, he answers and he moves. You know, he, looks, he looked at my heart, even through my mess, he looked at my heart. So, anyway, so one, I remember the church that I was in, I was, God always kept this. I was really kind of inspired by it. I was, getting ready for this week, and I was looking at Anna. And, you know, there's not much said about Anna in the Bible, and she's in the New Testament. She's in Luke chapter 2, and they called her a prophetess. And the only prophet, she only gave one prophetess, but what got me was she lived in the temple from the time she was um, a widow, a young widow, and she was widowed seven years, I think, after her virginity. So I figure she's probably like about 21 or some, 20, 21. And she was widowed. And from that time on until she was 84, she gave herself to the Lord. She didn't give in to her pain. Apparently she had no children, which was really terrible in that culture. So she apparently had no one to take care of her. And she gave herself to the Lord's service. And at 84 years of age, there's a story of Jesus coming to the temple and Simeon and, um, you know, God told him he would see the Messiah before he passed, and then he got to see him and hold him. And Anna heard that, and it witnessed to her, and she began sharing with everybody who, was, who could hear her. She was a woman evangelist, a prophetess. She prophesied the Messiah has come. But I got to thinking there's not much said, but that's a long time, 60-some years, she gave herself to prayer and fasting. Whoa, that woman, she had a vision. And you think that was boring? Mm -mm. I can't imagine the relationship that she had with God, being in the temple night and day, praising him and worshiping and being caught up in his presence. And just, you know, that kept her day to day. And I thought, 
I'm sure that she had God show her things. And, you know, she was delighting herself in the Lord. And because she did, he gave her the desires of her heart. And that was to see the Messiah come. And I thought, wow. And, you know, and we're at this place. Well, anyway, that's my Anna. So the other thing, the other one, there's a couple people I wanted to share from the Bible. And the other is David. And I love David. I love his heart, and he had a heart that was after God. And the reason I can so relate to David is because he was very human, and we all know about his sin. But when I was a new believer, that was my prayer book, was the book of Psalms. I lived in Psalms. And I always tell everybody, if you want to know how to pray, you read David's prayers. No, he was no pretense. He didn't stand like the Pharisees did and beat his chest and whatever. He was honest before God. And, you know, the best prayers are those that you pray that are honest before God. He already knows. He already knows. And you're not going to shock him. You're not going to get him to stop loving you. He can't. He's love. And, um, but he prayed, David prayed the best prayers. And sometimes he would just start out pouring his heart and it might have been sorrow it might have been feeling of defeat or whatever and then he would end with bigness of God and the greatness of God and he was just a man after God's own heart and he never quit and he'd been been through some stuff you know he was anointed to be um, king yet he was still a shepherd boy he had you know we know the stories of Saul chasing after him trying to kill him and whatever, and then when he finally came into his own, you know, but he, he went through a process, and um, he had a journey, and Pastor Duane had shared not a few weeks ago, but we all, we're in a process, not always my favorite, but it's a process, you know, we don't get instant whatever, we're processed, but the journey can be so, so sweet when we journey it with the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Um, and I just appreciate, you know, how close the Lord has always been in the valleys. Um, you know, I thought we go through the valley of the shadow of death and we don't need to fear because he's with us and he's never failed to prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. He's never failed to give me a strategy when I needed it and I was in trouble. You know, in Psalms it says, you know, I called upon the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me out of all of my troubles. And so I just encourage you, whatever it is, I don't care if all you can do is call out Jesus. I've seen miracles happen when I called out Jesus. You know, I got some, we have time later, you know, I'm sure you all have stories, but I can remember one in particular, the kids were, we were in a car and my friend, I don't know where we were, but on the way home it started snowing and it was one of those like, breezy icy snows and she doesn't drive in snow so she asked me to drive with her and we had her kids my kids you know no seatbelts those days all in the back of the station wagon and um I said okay you know I'll drive and so we had to I had to move over to make a left-hand turn and the car started spinning and I was going the opposite way of you know the way we wanted to travel in the middle of two lanes and here comes two tractor trailers side by side coming right at us I don't know, but the peace of God came over me, and I said, Jesus, Jesus, and we didn't want to panic the kids, and I don't know how we got in between those two tractor trailers because neither one of them moved as far as I could see. 
And we just, you know, came out of that like, wow. <laughs> that was really good, Lord. <laughs> you know, but I've seen, you know, I've seen lots of things and I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more from God. He's not finished with us yet. The other person, I looked in um, in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. You know, God holds women in really high esteem. We are precious in his sight. And there are so many women we can look at in the Bible. If you haven't, you know, ask the Lord who's your lady. Ask the Lord to show you a lady and just look into her life. And, you know, it's just a blessing. And um, so one of them, the first one that's mentioned is Sarah. And what's interesting about Sarah, I found, is that, you know, we all know the story of Abraham and God called him. Of course, Sarah had to go along with him. You know, she didn't know where they were going. And I don't know if this guy's crazy. You know, we're leaving all our home and our family, you know, whatever. And um, so they, um, they start out on their journey. And, you know, and then God visits Abraham and tells him, you know, he's going to have a son and um, she's going to be a mother and you know and time goes on and they're like no way but she had this belief that God was faithful she couldn't see it she couldn't see how this was going to happen but she knew her God was faithful and so she was you know it, it talks about the faithfulness of Sarah and you know what I noticed in there when I read it never mentioned the Hagar Ishmael thing that was Sarah's idea <laughs> but God never made mention of it he doesn't focus on our, whoops, no, but I thought of along the way and even believing for my husband, we were sharing about, you know, praying, not being Holy Spirit for our husbands and different things. We, good things, but they're not God things, you know, and wow, if I only had, had, had good tools, maybe, you know, what happened. So anyway, um, you know, and then when it looked like there was no hope, you know, God, because God always keeps his promise. He always does. I'm not real good at reading my notes. This is in my heart. It's God talking from my heart. <laughs> but um, they, um, so they were, you know, blessed. And the other one that, um, the next one that's mentioned in the Hall of Faith is Rahab. You all know the story of Rahab. She lived in Jericho. She was a prostitute. She was a prostitute. But she had heard about the God of the Hebrews, the God of Israel. And so when the spies came, we all know the story, she hid them. And um, because she did that, when God's people were going to come in and destroy the city, her and her family were saved. But remember, she had to use the red cord, which is the blood of Jesus. And that's the same one of our tools that we have over ourselves and our family. And God never mentioned that she was a prostitute. He never mentioned that in the faith chapter. He just saw what she did out of faith, and he rewarded her for it. And we still talk of her, and I think she's like the great-grandmother of David and of the lineage of Jesus. So, you know, that's awesome. The next two are unnamed women. I thought, wow, sometimes that feels like us. <laughs> like, I remember the first, when we moved to Michigan, I'll tell you a little bit about my story, because we moved to Michigan eight years ago. I came from Delaware. 
Delaware has three counties. Michigan has 83. Um, if our church hit 100, we were doing really great. When I came here and all these big churches, if I didn't come to rest when we first moved here, even though I knew this would be like faith. You know, this is this is my people. But I felt like, oh, my gosh, it's so big. So we went to another church, which was still bigger than what I was used to. But all I kept thinking, I kept thinking when we were first there, I'm like, nobody's going to know my name. Nobody's going to know my name here. And I thought of the song in Cheers, you know, I want to be where somebody knows my name. <laughs> Not like to be famous or anything, but you want somebody to, it's important that somebody knows us, you know, we even we can come to church and we can sit here in isolation, you know, and that's not what God wants. We need to know people and we need to be known. And that's important. And that's for partly accountability. So anyway, so um, through a series, you know, it wasn't a really healthy situation. And um, we came to res and uh, it's awesome. We started coming here Saturday nights when they had Saturday night service. And we'd come here at Saturday night, and then we'd go to the other church on Sunday morning. And then, you know, we came to call it our peaceable place. And um, and, I, and then after a while, I kept thinking, well, we're calling this our peaceable place, and we have peace when we go here. I'm thinking, why don't we just go here all the time? <laughs> so, but I wanted my husband to decide. You know, I had enough of years of me deciding. And um, and just as up, but I was just about to say something, and he spoke up. Anyway, so I I missed a part. I missed a part of how my husband did come to the Lord, didn't I? So anyway, so let me. Be, yeah, so I was in this church, and things were kind of. It was really dry, and I was hearing reports of God moving and power and demonstration, and I don't know how many here read, ever read or know of Tommy Penny. He's a little bit back in the day, but. You know, he had the book God Chasers, and I had read that, and I, I was just so hungry to experience what he was talking about. Because I was, I knew that that's what God did, but I wasn't seeing it happen where I was. So one, it was a Sunday night, and I was involved in ministry and church. You know, I was always there every service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, and um, so Tommy Tenney was going to be in a town. It was about an hour away. And it was a Sunday night. So because it was a Sunday night, all my friends were involved in ministry. I couldn't ask anybody to go with me. So I thought, I'm going. You know, I don't care. I'm going because I'm chasing after God. And I, I want to experience the power of God, not just, you know, hear about it. And so um, I told my husband, and he just said, I'll go with you. Well, <laughs> about fell off what I was standing, but. <laughs> I said, you will? And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, okay. And um, so we went, and there was like, I'll just say it was a little on the wild side. And, um, and I'm like, this is great, but I'm a little worried about how my husband's going to react to all this. So I look over. My husband has, has his hands raised, worshiping God. And I'm Oh, my, that's great, God, but I came here for something for me. <laughs> um, I never learned sometimes. But anyway, it was awesome. It was just awesome. And then, you know, people are, like, falling out. He's going, he's being an usher. He's up there, you know, and he's like, we always did this, you know, and I'm, 
I'm like, who is this person? You know, but it was like, it was a suddenly, it was suddenly to me, not to God. I'd prayed 24 years for this suddenly. <laughs> but I always tell women that are praying for your husbands, you're not, you're not going to have to pray that long. You're not. Because you've got better tools than I did. And you're going to do better. So, you know, and that's true. Successive generations, you know, increase, increase, increase. I speak over you. But um, so it was awesome. And then we went back and he started, you know, kind of coming to church with me a little. Then all of a sudden he like fell off. You know? And I thought one day I finally, light bulb, I said, do you want to find another church? And he was like, yes, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> he didn't feel at home there. And um, it was my home. It wasn't our home. And um, so we, I said, well, okay, I'll do that. But there was a very, like I said, we come from a small area. There was a very limited number that I, I knew where I would go. And this is my list. So we started out trying them, and it, guess what? We agreed. <laughs> New concept in our marriage. <laughs> we were starting to walk in agreement, you know, and, um, you know, and it's a learning process, but, like, I'll never get, get tired of the awe of, you know, my husband. He's, we don't have always the same, you know, des- spiritual desires as far as service. We got different gifts. Um, that's okay. Uh, he, he makes room for mine. I make room for his. And um, this morning, before I came, before I left, he drove, drove me here. And he me. Not the first time, but today it just seemed more precious because I knew I was going to reflect. And I, I just let him know. And sometimes we forget to let our husbands know. That means so much to me. And that God would speak through my husband to me that so much. And God knows your desire. You know, if you're not there yet with your marriage or your husband, it's coming. It's coming. I feel your heart. Um, I'm going to cry with you. <laughs> and that was just, you know, that's just awesome. And, you know, like sometimes, do I think sometimes he watches TV too much or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but that's not my business. That's God's business. And what I know is that God lives in my husband, and he loves the Lord with all of his heart. And we are a threefold cord and not quickly broken. But, you know, I just believe that, you know, marriage is a covenant. And it's not just a covenant that we have with each other, but God has a covenant with us in our marriage. He is that person, that one that holds us together. Because let me tell you, we weren't doing a good job. <laughs> we weren't doing a good job. And, you know, and the other thing, I always, my, my children were so always sweet to their dad, even when he wasn't being sweet. You know, they would love him. And um, I know that even not just my love, my children's love toward their dad, you know, really made a difference. And, and we're just, you know, just love being we love being in Michigan we love a new adventure at this time in our life we love that we have almost all our grandkids around children three out of four we got the new grandbaby coming we got a great grandbaby that's because of COVID in Virginia we haven't seen yet but we'll be seeing next month like I want to see him before he walks you know but anyway um we're beyond blessed we're just so fruitful and that's 
you know, in my family where I came from, you know, my dad and mom are past, but my dad had no heirs, you know, because my family was in that. There's not one complete marriage in my background, but that curse is broken. That curse was broken over my life and all those generational things. And if you came and you have extra baggage generational, we sang that today. Amy prayed it, and those things are broken. And something I want to speak to Amy, I really appreciate her message last week about worship. Awesome. Because, you know, we, I don't believe we can be good, effective prayers without worship. And that was David. You know, that's why David was so effective, because he was a worshiper. And um, in, in Revelation, I think it's 5.8, it talks about a harp and a bowl. And the harp, and the harp represents worship. And the bowl is filled with incense, and that's the prayers of the saints. So God has every one of your prayers you have ever prayed, whatever it is for your family, for your husband, he's got them all right there before his throne in that bowl of incense. And it's a sweet-smelling savor unto him. And one day, the bowl gets filled, tips that bowl, there's your suddenly. So that's my vision. For whatever it is, I think some of you, it might not be marriage, family, whatever it is that you've been praying for, believing God for for a very long time, get ready for the bowl to tip. And I see that, I believe that, and God's going to pour out to you the desire of your heart. And um, something else, there was a, intercessor once told me that you know each successive generation that whatever my ceiling is is the floor the next generation and so that encourages me and that says to me that we need to go higher but in order to go higher we need to dig deeper and the deepness is the word of God The deepness is our foundation, and our foundation and our roots need to be the word of God. And let me tell you, the older I am, the more precious his word is to me, the more faithfulness I see. He is faithful. I always tell everybody, whatever you're going through, whatever trouble, problem, get a word. Get a word from God. Best word is in scripture. Don't make up your own. Ask What's your word? And you hold on to that word. And you birth it. You nurture it while it's in your spiritual womb. You know, you water it. You till it. You keep stirring up that precious faith inside of you. And then um, and it will come to fruition. It will be time to birth that thing. It gets heavy before delivery. Just encouraging. <laughs> but if it feels heavy right now, if you feel heavy, to be getting ready to birth that thing. So, yeah. So I just wanted, I was hoping it would be like around, but to tell you the truth, I didn't expect so many ladies to come, and I'm really appreciative you did. And <laughs> that, um, yeah, I thought of calling out sick, but. No, just kidding. I, I will tell, I don't know why sometimes I tell on myself things, but. I think because my old me 
hid everything. You know, it's like I tried to be everything cleaned up on the outside and this nice package. And so I don't know why sometimes things just blurt out, you know. But so when, like I said, Pastor Karen, you know, when she asked me to do this, I didn't say yes right away. I prayed about it, and then the Lord showed, um, you know, because I said, "What? Well, I'm not a teacher, whatever." So, you know, anyway, he he broke it down in a way. I said, "Okay, yes, you're going to do this." So I let her know, and then it dawned on me time frame, and I thought, "Whoa, okay." So anyway, so. My um, point of no return was Sunday night, a Sunday, and I was convinced and felt total peace about it that the next morning I was going to call her and tell her, I'm sorry, but I can't do this, and it'll be okay. I know the Lord will provide somebody else. I was telling somebody, I said, my time with the Lord is morning. At night, I kind of tend to get my own self into it, but then he clears me up in the morning. So I woke up on Monday morning, and it's like, okay, this is going to be great. I'm going to do this. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, we're all laborers together with God. We're God's building. We're co-laborers together. It's an honor to be a, I mean, I'm sorry. I never lost the awe of that, being a Catholic girl. You know, I just never lost the awe that God would speak to me. Like, who am I, Lord? Who am I that you would be even mindful of me? And yet he speaks to us. He lets us know his heart. He tells us, gives us love songs. You know, when I was first um, got hold of grace message, like I felt like I had nothing to bring to God. I, I just felt like I had nothing. And, um, and I don't know how I was going to do things. I heard what Christians do. And um, then I came across a scripture in Ephesians that said, um, you know, we're saved by grace, by not by works, but by grace. And the faith, I'm not quoting it right, sorry. That we should walk in it. Anyway, I knew that God had these works prepared already for me, and all I got to do is walk up. I can do that. I can walk. <laughs> so amazing grace was so amazing to me. And I heard that song, every, I thought it was a, just a love song between me and Jesus. Amazing grace. I just loved hearing it. I still love hearing it. And, um, but anyway, like I said, I encourage you that um, you're laying a foundation for the next generation, you know, whether it be your natural family or spiritual family. And it's awesome what God is doing in the earth in these days. It's awesome what he's doing in our church. It's awesome what he's doing in us. And so I know like quarantine COVID thing wasn't a whole lot of fun, but let me tell you, God worked out something in our hearts during that time because I see a difference. I see some, I think I had, I have to learn sometimes this new terminology. My one granddaughter, she's, she's kind of like my tutor when I see them using all these words. I'm like, what does this mean? I give them shade. What's that mean? <laughs> I can't get it. But anyway, we're getting, somebody told me we're getting woke. <laughs> we're the woke church now. <laughs> I like that. I like woke. The shade thing, I'm still not quite sure about. But um, anyway, just remember we're building not just for ourselves and our own house, but we're building for future generations. And God's a generational God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, um, and he's the God of your generations, you know. And I, and I just believe that, you know, my family, um, through that seed, all families of the earth are going to be blessed. And in the natural, I've seen that a little bit. You know, my son and his daughter, they, 
they um, took in children from Sudan. And I thought, oh, they're best in the world. <laughs> That's what you said, God. That's what you promised. And um, in different ways. But anyway, God is faithful. And um, we're going to take some time. We're going to be quiet before the Lord. And whatever he stirred up in our hearts, uh, we're going to pray. Let's take a minute. Listen. Lord, I just thank you that you said, unless the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. And we know that you are the master builder. And when we labor together with you, Lord, we know that the house will be built according to your specifications and that house will stand. We want to build a house, Lord, that withstands the storms, that withstands the waves, and because our house is going to be built on that rock that is Jesus Christ. And, Lord, I thank you for that, God. I thank you for the building blocks, Lord, that you give us, the building blocks of faith. And we just thank you, Lord. We just, you're building a beautiful house. I just thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our ladies. And, Lord, whatever was stirred up in our heart today, anything that was not of you, Lord, let it fall to the ground. Anything, Lord, that you've stirred up, Lord, that you continue. Because, Lord, the work that you started in us, you promised to continue it to the Christ Jesus. Lord, you never leave us. You never forsake us. You're a finisher, God. And you called us to be finishers. Lord, we just thank you, Lord. And we want to finish well. And, Lord, we know that only happens when we take day by day with you and surrender ourselves to you, God. And we just do that today. We just thank Lord. Lord, those who have hurting hearts today, we just thank you for pouring in fresh oil, pouring out the balm of Gilead, soothing, Lord, comforting. Lord, you know these are your ladies. We just thank you. You love them. You love each and every one individually. They are all precious in your sight. We just thank you, Lord, that all of our cares, all of our burdens, we, we just commit them into your hands. Lord, we just thank you for your word, Lord, that you would speak to each and every one, Lord, the word that they need, that you give them the hope. Lord, that hope is the vision. Lord, I appreciate Pastor Dwayne, Lord, speaking on vision, and we know that. We need to have vision. And sometimes when you're in the midst of trials, it's hard to see a vision for your family. But, Lord, let our focus be on you, Lord, and the faith, the belief that you have a good plan for our family, and it's a plan of good, not of evil, to give a good end, expected end. Thank you, Lord. And we thank you. We know that with you, God, all things are possible. All things are possible. 